Today's guest on the Keenan Yoga Podcast is David Jackson. Jacko to his friends. I can't believe it's the third, almost the third year of Keenan Yoga Podcast now. It's come so far since lockdown and it's a way to connect and also simply keep ourselves busy and interested, right? We started off purely Ashtanga, but we've endeavoured to expand out of that box and yoga is a lifestyle and there's people and teachers that can teach us stuff other than just Ashtanga teachers. So as always, this is a community adventure and I suggest you to give me ideas, tips and advice as to finding new and different avenues around here. So this is one of them today, David Jackson, a breathwork specialist, a professional rugby player before taking early retirement with a serious head injury resulting in a bleed on the brain and a seizure on the pitch even. After a period of recovery, he began the all clear and exercising again and felt stuck, kind of, he says, like he had the handbrake on, exercising in second gear. So he was led to inquire about all things and that led him in the end to breath and he found Patrick McEwan's book The Oxygen Advantage which is a brilliant book by the way you should check it out if you haven't so he noticed immediate differences and even in the short park runs he was doing he had massive uh, gains in his uh, PBs <laughs> anyway he trained uh, directly with Patrick in the method and he's now started to teach uh, individuals groups, professional athletes and sports teams as well so in the podcast we talk about the instrumental nature of better breathing the overall health of the body, particularly learning to breathe diaphragmatically and certainly through the nose only. Not something that many people are doing necessarily. And it also means confusingly that we're not getting more oxygen in what we're doing, rather we're better able to tolerate carbon dioxide in the body. So listen carefully for his explanation of that. It's quite complicated, even for me. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't reviewed us already on iTunes, please do. And feel free if you've been to ben benefited in any way to donate live from our website at keelanyoga.com you can direct directly donate to us anyway i hope you enjoy this and welcome david so welcome to the keen on yoga podcast david jackson i think you'd like to be known as jacko is that right uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's uh, that's how most people uh, know me. It's a, a nickname that goes back from rugby and well, far actually probably right. days. But yeah, yeah no, uh, great to be here and, and excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so obviously, what you're known for now is is specific. I mean, you do calisthenics, I know, but you specifically this um, style of breathing or you know encouraging breath work as a you know uh, a way into movement, right, or the basis of movement. So. Um, do you want to tell me how you got into it in the first place? Yeah, um, I think one of the things that I'm I'm passionate about with breath work or the breathing side of things, however you want to sort of uh, package it up or describe yeah, it, is that, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to make breath work um, a normal thing, trying to make it normal, a normal part of our our day to day lives or part of our training and just part of our our um, our our mindset or our psyche, because for for me, it was I. I effectively sort of stumbled across this um, after I. So I used to play professional rugby. I retired yeah. from a head injury back in 2013. Had a seizure on the training mm. field and a, and a bleed mm. on the brain. And at the time, 
back then wasn't aware of the effect that that would have on the respiratory center part of your of your brain and and that then right. affecting our breathing patterns Mm. And um, I started to, uh, I'd made, it took me a year to be able to run uh, an exercise without getting um, headaches. But once I got back to sort of feeling like full, uh, back to, you know, giving the all clear and sort of like, you're you're all fine. Mm. um, It just, I felt that, um, the best way to describe it is I felt like I had the handbrake slightly on. You know, when you're like right. in the car and you're like, you, you mm, pull off and yeah. it's like, it's just not quite, like, everything's okay, but it's just not quite mm. going somewhere. So feeling, a li- something feeling a bit um, restricted. And I delved into a few different bits and pieces and, and, and I, I sort of put it down to probably a little bit of um, intuition. Um, I'd retrained as a strength and conditioning coach, was starting to understand the body um, a little bit better. And when breathing sort of popped up as a, there's this thing that's happening all the time. It's a, it's a movement pattern involving muscles and, and, and joints and starting to view that as a thing of like, okay, well, if, if we're doing that potentially 25,000 times a day, if thinking of one breath being a repetition, mm. I was doing like 20,000 bad bodyweight squats every day. Like I probably yeah. have bad hips or knees. Yeah. And, and oh, so man. I sort of, it was like, mate. And then I asked, as soon as I asked myself the question, like, well, are you breathing right? I was like, how do you even answer that? I don't know. How do you answer that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got recommended the uh, to read the book, The Oxygen Advantage, and um, sort of. Okay, so that's that's never, Patrick, yeah, never Patrick McEwen. Yeah, right? Patrick McEwen. Yeah, so okay, yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a great book worth reading. Yeah, yeah, no, no, fantastic book. It was. Yeah. Um, I'm not even very good at reading, and I didn't that <laughs> thing down. I just like rattled through it, um, and sort of to to try sort of fast forward now. That was a few years ago. Fast forward now. I've uh, I did my um, instructor training with Patrick McKeown. Um, and that was a, as a course of, I didn't, I wasn't looking to become an oxygen advantage, um, instructor because I wanted to necessarily teach other people at the time st- still being working as a strength and conditioning coach. It was purely to, um, re finish, finish the sort of rehabilitation and take that handbrake off uh, mm, my own, mm. um, from my what, previous sort of poor breathing. I, mean, I, I suppose the, injury. Yeah. I suppose the obvious question here is how, how did it feel like when you took the handbrake off? I mean, what were the, did you experience the benefits immediately before we get into what the Oxford advantage is? Yeah, I just um, kind, of like, kind, of, kind of encourage people to, um, <laughs> to listen on, you know, like yeah, how did no, it, of course, know, yeah. what, was, what um, was the result of it? Yes. I saw this big flashing light and life was changed. Yeah, and that's what we want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I don't think uh, we sort of, we th- that's a mirage that we think we want to hear in the, right. You know, when you, the reward of doing something comes in the the challenge of doing it. Um, mm, okay. You know, if something happens really quickly, the reward is very small. Whereas when you've worked hard for something, the reward is much bigger. Now, the breathing side of things, that's not to say, so some things you will notice a difference immediately. Other things mm. take time to change habits depending on how bad uh, or how dysfunctional your breathing has come in terms of the, either the mechanics of how you're breathing or and or the uh, what we describe as like the biochemistry, like how your body deals with um, oxygen and, and carbon dioxide. Mm. Some mm. of those things take a bit of time to change. Um, I noticed one of the things that, so what sort of got me hooked was I used to be a professional rugby player. Mm. Um, I'd got back into my running back then I was doing like five K runs. Um, my PB at the time was like 20 minutes, 15. 
um, hmm. which is a reasonable pace yeah. like, uh, mm-hmm. for running. So I thought that was pretty fit. And I was like, you know, I used to be a professional player. So, and my thing was like, I'm not a big guy. My thing was like being fast and being fit. Mm. I did one of the um, one of the tests with the oxygen advantage um, where it's like a, a carbon dioxide, a test of carbon, a CO2 tolerance. So holding um, the breath after a normal exhale to your first desire to breathe. So not like right. no willpower involved in it. Just when does yeah, your body yeah. trigger you to want to breathe? And um, mine was like less than 10 seconds, which put me in a category of, um, you know, you've probably got some sort of severe asthma breathing problem and i was like i don't and i never have and i was like it really shocked me and and i don't like being not good at something and i was thinking my mindset at the time i'm thinking okay has my respiratory you know do i need to do some work on my breathing to help with recovering my head injury yeah Um, there's some research that shows that like if you've had um, a concussive event you know, there's a, I think it was, it was suggesting like, like 99, like over 99%, like as close to as you've probably got, um, uh, an effect on your, on your breathing patterns or your breathing habits, um, or your spiritual center being disrupted as a result of that concussion. It's just mm. it's like part and parcel of it. So right. that right. affects like oxygen, like blood supply to the brain and, and oxygen, um, to the brain that if it's, if it's not, um, you know, just kind of stays in a, in a in a bit of a vicious cycle if you don't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to, I was doing this test to find out, well, where am I at? And then thinking, well, maybe it is something I need to work on. And then it was like, crikey, I didn't expect it to be that bad. And it was like, right, I need to do something about this. Um, I One of the things that after, uh, one of the big things, we can go into a little bit more detail, but yeah, asking about some of the things yeah. we noticed. Um, yeah, one yeah. of the big things is about, uh, getting used to using your nose for breathing rather than the mouth. And a lot of your listeners will have, will have heard of, have come across this and they might just, you know, be good breathers and do it quite naturally. Um, and it was something for me during exercise and say during running, it was like, um, I tried to breathe through just using my nose and I couldn't get to the end of my road, which was like 50 meters away. It was just like snot everywhere. It was just awful. And I was like, again, like what? So if my nose is designed for breathing, like if I can't use it, like, how has it become so maladapted? Like, what do I need to do to, to sort this out? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd, I got a nice win when I spent about six weeks. Tra- I didn't tra- change anything about my training. I wasn't like mad into running. I used to do like a part, a 5K park run once a week. That, that was basically my, my training was just doing the park run. And I'd just run around as fast as I can, see how, see how I get <laughs> on. There was no tactics or anything. And all I changed was... In my training, I was trying to breathe through my nose, finding it fairly difficult at the start, really difficult. So I'm gradually getting a bit better at it. During the actual, and then six weeks, six weeks of that, I did, um, I did a new park run, uh, one in Sheffield I'd never done before, so I didn't even know the course. I ran around that, um, and I didn't do it all nasal breathing because I was running at too fast a pace that I'd not adapted to be able to do it at that sort of pace. But I was, I was aware of some of the the things around, you know, try and stay away from panting, <laughs> like yeah, losing yeah. your breath, and try and keep mm-hmm. the breath larger and slower mm-hmm. at least, and, and that sort of thing. So I was trying to do some of those things. Crossed the finish line. Didn't think I'd done very well. Didn't feel amazing at that point. I didn't even look at my watch for a few minutes because I just was a bit like I was just I, that was pretty average. I looked at my, I finally a few minutes later, I looked at my watch and I'd ran a new PB, 19 minutes, like 16, I think it is. Uh, right. And I was like, I was like, what? I, caught, I was like, wow, I could have broke 19 minutes because basically towards the end, I didn't know that the end was coming because I'd never run the course for us. Like I'd, I could have done a bit more of a sprint and finish type of thing. And I was like, that just blew my mind. I was like, I've not even, for the last six weeks, I've not even put into place 
these things. And this has had a huge impact on my performance. That sort of then really started to hook me in. The other things around sort of how meant how the sort of, I guess, the mindful element you get from focus, spending time focusing on your breathing, the yeah. calming effect on the nervous system, mm-hmm. the effect on recovering, these types of things, effect that has on then sleep. Those more holistic things came probably secondary to me. Mm-hmm. That is like turns this into a, a, a package that I'm like, wow, this is this is for everyone. And this is something that everyone can benefit from, whether you want to do it because of sport or whether you want to do it not because of sport you're going to get all the benefits of it because it's all wrapped up in improving the way we breathe and we're breathing every minute of every day. doesn't matter whether you're doing yoga, rugby, running, washing the dishes, sleeping, you're always breathing. And so if we're able to understand a little bit around how to do it a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently, a little bit nicer for the body to cope with that, like the body responds beautifully to it. And um, yeah, that's why I'm sort of passionate about having felt those changes over now, like a, 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 a good few years. Yeah, how long have you done to, it? Um, I mean, that was probably about three, four years ago when I first right. started to try to delve, like probably four years ago when I first started to delve okay. into it, probably just messed about for the first year. Um, and then for the last few years, got, got a lot more serious. With right. it. And I, one of the things I want to try and help people, because breath, you know, people like Wim Hof and Patrick McKeon, you know, the yeah. breath work as a as a term is something that like is a bit sexy at the moment and people are like into it and engaged in it. And something that I come across a lot with some of the clients that I work with and just, just notice just in general is that mm. we gets, because it's now got like a term, it gets like put in a box of over here i'm gonna you know someone might be like i'm gonna yoga for this hour and then uh i'll do it and then after lunch i'll do some breath work or do you know what I mean? right, okay. yeah, right? and yeah, thinking yeah. about it is this yeah. extra thing i've got yeah. to do on top of all the other things i'm doing i'm all too busy yeah. and that's yeah. not how it works or not how it needs to work if you're doing a specific you know breath work practice um like wim hof breathing many people i'm sure will have heard of or yoga. yeah um, yeah then yeah. So, you're going to you- dedicate separate time but equally your brain and your nervous system is paying attention to how you are breathing to manage and balance its pH and the nervous system, blood pressure, and all these other elements within the body is monitoring that all the time. So it's not about the 30 minutes that you might set aside each day to do it because there's another, if my math is all right, 23 and a half hours through the rest of the day that actually the brain's going to respond to how you're breathing during then mm. more so than the 30 minutes practice you do potentially, if that makes sense. So this is something you can do all day. Well, <laughs> you're paying attention. You're paying attention to all everyone the time. that can. Everyone yeah. that can hear this podcast right now, they're breathing. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it. That's yeah, that yeah. is one of the things in trying to understand right. that. Yeah. And help. So, what is the oxygen vitus? Then we need to cut to the cut to the yeah. chase here. And, and um, yeah. So, um, what, what's the technique? Um, so yeah, the, you mentioned um, the author of the the book, the oxygen vitus. I, I think mm-hmm. obviously it started as a book. Patrick McKeon had been. Um, but within the breathing research for over 20 years now, and he developed um, this trade, this framework for, for breathing aimed initially, I guess, at um, a bit more of a, the sports performance side of things. It's just carried on broadening out from there. Um, and so the auction advantage is um, a, a framework of breathing techniques and exercises that are all based on, um, science and, and proven by and taken from the research within 
um, the scientific community around what the benefits and how the way we breathe is going to improve things like our well-being as well as our performance. Um, and a lot of that is based upon understanding, going back to like how are we designed to breathe and trying to be able to use those best breathing practices in terms of um, functional breathing mechanics, understanding to how we improve the biochemistry of the body. That's me, just a fancy way of saying like, how does your body utilize oxygen and deal mm, with the carbon dioxide mm -hmm. that the body creates? And, and, and then, you know, how do you use that in your day-to-day -day life or within the, your, you know, yeah. the, the training that you do? So how do you use it within yoga if you, if you, if you spend a lot of time doing it? I suppose yoga? the first principle is you talk about a lot in your, on the stuff you play out is to breathe through your nose, right? Which yeah. is not always as easy when you're under stress as one might imagine, right? Like, I mean, that's sure the yoga people listening probably assume they're breathing through their nose all the time. But, you know, if you're, if you're doing and exerting yourself in movement, then it doesn't always happen. I mean, what's the, and yeah. what's, the what's the first way to start to train yourself to get into the habit of just doing that, even under duress? You mentioned your, your run and, you know, how you couldn't yeah. run to the end of the street without, without starting to breathe through your, through your mouth, right? Like how, how, do you, how do you train that when you're, when you're really, uh, you know, really up against it? You know? Yeah. Uh, well, you make some – it's – And I suppose let's rewind. Why to breathe – I mean, if people aren't breathing through their nose, yeah, you, know, well, you also yeah. talk quite eloquently on why to breathe through your nose in the first place, which might be where we might start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a great question. It's like – it might sound like a simple question. It seems you obvious. Spend but about yeah. half an hour talking about this. It's, no, it's a bit yeah. – because you said a couple of things you said like you, you use the word stress and you know um when we mouth breathe mouth breathing mm. is actually associated with our stress response so the, yeah, yeah associated with that sympathetic tone if people are happy with those sort of technical yeah, terms yeah, of the yeah. nervous system sympathetic being like fight or flight stress response yes yeah. parasympathetic relaxation rest digest and the um a simple phrase that 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 can uh, that can land easily, or people to remember, like the nose is designed for breathing, and the mouth is designed for eating. And that's not just like a a nice phrase to say. There's um, some research that's been gone. Uh, I think it was like maybe the seventies. The guy was called Cottle, um, has had found or identified thirty different design functions of the nose that proves it's designed for breathing, that uh. which the mouth has none of. Um, and I think in that research, he said like. I expect in the coming years for us to find like a whole lot more as well. Like it's mm, just what we've mm, covered. So, mm. um, you know, some of those things are like your, um, your, when you nasal breathe or your nose is, um, linked more towards your diaphragm, whereas your mouth is more linked towards sort of upper chest breathing, but again, really linked to that sort of like shallower. Why do you, why do you think that is? Response. Um, because your diaphragm is designed for breathing. Your diaphragm is your number one. No, but why do you think the nose is linked to the diaphragm? Because that's that. Because that's effectively, as in a design perspective, one of the things is that the the nose provides about fifty percent more resistance to your. Yes, breathing. that's so exactly what I feel. Yeah, yeah. The aperture again. Yes, exactly. The aperture is narrower. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. So there's yeah. not. Yeah. There's not. That's not to say. And this was a, the thing that I had was the case of like my the the way I'd been breathing had become dysfunctional. So the mechanics of how I was getting the air in, I wasn't really utilizing my diaphragm. I wasn't getting good rib articulation. Yeah, yeah. And switching to nasal breathing, so trying to breathe through the nose, didn't suddenly make me a great diaphragmatic breather. I had to mm, work on mm. those things separately. Yeah, of course. I had a bad yeah, habit yeah. of lifting the rib cage. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll go on to the diaphragm, I think, later. Um, yeah. 
What about, I mean, you mentioned something about, I found curious, I think, and in, in, again, in some, something I was looking at you were doing about, was it ni- the, the nose and then nitrous oxide? Or nitric oxide. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So nitric oxide is a gas um, found in the nasal cavity and not in the mouth. And uh, it's a vasodilator. Yeah. It's also antiviral. So it like protects us against viruses. It's, it's, so yeah, you're breathing yeah. through your nose, like yeah. the mouth. Um, the virus provides no protection. It actually like can be damaging or harmful for your um, for your airways. And if you think that that there's very little resistance when you're breathing in through the mouth, so it's actually your diaphragm can just go on holiday and not get involved in breathing. But then that just leaves you to then have to lift the upper chest, and that becomes a shallow breath. There's less um, there's less blood in the, in the higher regions of the of the lungs because gravity pulls blood down towards the bottom of the lungs. And one of the things that that nitric oxide does is, as a vasodilator, it helps open up those airways so your nose can feel clearer when you start to use it more because you're utilizing that as a vasodilator. Mm, mm. Um, and it also helps to distribute blood within the lungs more evenly so you can have more efficient transfer. It's easier for the oxygen in the lungs to get then into the blood itself. And that, you know, getting air, you know, the, the process of breathing, it's not just like how you get air in, once it's in your lungs. How efficiently is it getting into your blood? And mm, it doesn't finish mm. there. It's how efficiently does it get from your blood into your actual tissues? And every cell in our body needs oxygen for um, to create energy. So how we do that is is very important. Any any tips for um, breathing through your nose when you've got a, when you've got a mask over your nose? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess so. The mask. Okay. Interestingly, the mask is. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard, you know, because you can't yeah. generally kind of start to breathe my mouth. You've got to panic when I've got the whole mask yes. on, you know. <laughs> so do you know what? So do you know what that? So that feeling yeah. of, of panic or wanting yeah. to go like, oh, I'm going to breathe through my mouth, feeling like I need to breathe through my mouth now. That feeling yeah. of suffocation, or we describe as like air hunger, is yeah. just the fact that like carbon dioxide in your body is starting to rise because. You're trying to breathe through your nose, which is provides 50% more resistance, but now you've got a mask on as well. That's going to provide it even more resistance. Mm-hmm. So the resistance slows down the breathing, and it's not then that necessarily that feeling of, of air hunger and the desire to breathe a little bit, make it easier to breathe and therefore breathe through the mouth. It's coming from oxygen being low. It's coming from carbon dioxide levels rising. The, the respiratory sense in the brainstem is most responsive to um, carbon dioxide in the or another way to put it, the carbon dioxide levels rising is our is our primary stimulus to breathe. And if you think that when you've yeah. got a mask on, that carb, some of that carbon dioxide that you do exhale can be pooling and staying in the mask, and then you're going to rebreathe it in. So right. the feeling mm. is that's where that feeling is coming from. Now, I did see someone say something quite when um, when the whole mask thing was coming out, and Pete and, and people making some relatively false claims about it someone pointed out that you know um surgeons have been wearing masks for hours at a time doing operations it's like it's it's not something it's not like a at all a dangerous thing to wear a mask and it's Mm, not certainly mm. not a thing that can't be done um and actually if you struggle to if you find it um that that sort of feeling of breathing through a mask quite difficult when you try to breathe through your nose and you get that feeling of like air hunger or almost like suffocation or panic. It's a sign that your tolerance to carbon dioxide has been disrupted. You're too sensitive to it. And, and that's something that you, that you do really want to address by 
you know, the techniques we use around like slowing our breathing down. There's even some breath holding work that we do to help improve that and just get the body and those receptors in the brainstem that monitor levels of carbon dioxide, just get them more comfortable with an adequate level of, of carbon dioxide. Because carbon dioxide, again, is, is, a, is like the nitric oxide, it's such a vital thing within the body. It's not a waste gas that we just have to get rid of. Yeah, we do have to breathe excess amounts out, but it, it's the main catalyst that allows oxygen to be released from hemoglobin in the blood to get into your tissues. Right. Mm-hmm. So without, you know, without adequate levels of carbon dioxide, hemoglobin is stays, you know, more strongly attached or its affinity to oxygen stays stronger. So oxygen, more oxygen is going to stay in your blood and you're going to feel out of breath still more when you're, you know, you, you could be doing your, your, your yoga training or whatever. It's also, a, tra- um, yeah, I mean, maybe speak a bit more on the carbon dioxide because I think yeah. the assumption is that you want as much oxygen in your blood as possible, as low as possible as carbon dioxide, but from what I can see from what you're saying, maybe it's that you just want more tolerance to the carbon dioxide in the blood. Yeah. That's that one right? of, yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the literally like the main things. If you, um, what I was going to say about the carb, like one of the other things about the carbon dioxide is it's um, that as well as a, as a vasodilator that helps like um, your, your blood vessels dilate, it helps with circulation. So it helps actually stuff go around. Whereas when you, uh, breathe too fast and breathe too much carbon dioxide out because you've become too sensitive to it. Your mm. um, blood vessels are constrict and people will um, say things like, yeah, now I've got really cold hands and feet. There's a sign of, of, of struggling with, with circulation. That can be one of the things that uh, could be a sign of that. And the, as you say, rightly say about um, that feeling, because carbon dioxide is that primary stimulus to breathe, that feeling mm. I need mm. to breathe isn't because your oxygen's got so low that you've got to take a breath in. They, they they sort of report in the in the literature that your blood oxygen saturation, so the amount of oxygen that's saturated with um the amount of your blood that's saturated with oxygen, needs to drop to like below 60 before you're going to be like, and at that point you're more likely more likely to pass out than anything that you're going to actually yeah. get triggered to breathe. The stimulus to breathe comes from the CO2 levels rising. And even when someone's, they will measure people's, you know, measure people's SpO2. So measure their blood oxygen saturation and measure their carbon dioxide levels. The pulse oximeters that you can get off Amazon for like 20 quid can give you a reasonable, um, and some of the more uh, advanced uh, Apple watches and things like that will will give you some level of uh, your blood oxygen saturation. Yeah. If you, if you take that and measure it when you are, so normal ranges are like 95 to 99. You don't want Sorry, to. I mean, just to clarify, what's the, the, the aim is to have a higher blood oxygen saturation. Is that right? As well. But, uh, so, but, so let's. So, it's a great question. So, mm. normal ranges is ninety five to ninety nine. You mm-hmm. don't want a hundred percent because if it was a hundred percent, that would mean it's all filled up and none of it's leaving. And if none of it's leaving, it's staying in your blood and not getting into tissues, and you're going to die. Right. Okay. You want it to mm-hmm. be a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety nine to ninety five is normal. Um, when you're uh, when you're exercising, even at really high intensities, like, you know, the hardest yoga session that you've ever done, put your pulse oximeter on, it won't be anywhere near below 90. Um, when people are doing like high anaerobic, um, like lactate tolerance type of um, sprint work, repeat sprint work, like it might, it might smidge below 95. You might get 93, uh-huh. 94. The, um, the, the, the issue that we have is that like CO2 levels have risen to such a high level and things like your lactic acid is building up 
and your body's ability to buffer that okay. lactate. Mm, the, you mm. know, the carbon dioxide is linked in with that because it's all to do with the H plus ions that are created. Our ability to deal with those things rising is what dictates um, whether we're going to have to slow our intensity of the exercise down or how we're going to be able to rebreathe, uh, recover. Mm, that carbon dioxide in the blood that's not leaving, right? And that's, that's causing the problem. Uh, the, so it will, be, it will be. So it's going to go. The carbon dioxide is produced in the cells. It's going to go into your blood. It's going to go to the lungs. And then you're going to breathe it out. Right. And, it's, and, it's, and we should be getting rid of that, or should we be able to tolerate it in the body as well? So we do. We obviously we have to get rid of it, but it's yeah. changing our tolerance to it. So where I am at now compared to when I started, you know, I said um, my yeah. the first time I wanted to test, it was like yeah. like nine nine seconds before my body wanted to to breathe. And that was like right. bad. We want it to be like mm. 25 yeah, seconds or yeah. above. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to now tolerate much higher levels of carbon dioxide in the body than previously. What does that, what does that actually look like in practice? It means mm. that my breathing mm. is, is able to be at rest, like super gentle. When I'm exercising, my breathing is still at low level intensity. My breathing is still very calm Still so in practical low. terms, less panting, yeah. basically. Tolerance less of carbon panting. dioxide, less panting, less being out of breath, which obviously is a very positive thing for training. Yeah. So you're carrying on having a really nice, efficient supply of oxygen to your tissues. The right. other thing is when your your respiratory rate will be... Does the carbon dioxide get in the way of the, the oxygen supply to the tissue then? Say that again. Does the carbon dioxide get in the way of the oxygen? Because obviously you've got uh, oxygen saturation in the blood, but that's yeah. the, you know, the million-dollar question is, does that oxygen saturation in the blood translate to efficient take-up in the tissue, right? Yeah, so what, the, what, what causes the better take-up or, or, or lack thereof? Yeah, so the carbon dioxide is, I mentioned this before, carbon dioxide being the catalyst to allow oxygen to be released from hemoglobin. If you are breathing too much of it out and you don't have a lot of it, oxygen is going to stay more so in the, in the blood rather than getting right. into the tissues. So we want the, the carbon dioxide, the higher levels of carbon dioxide, allow your body to get the oxygen from your blood into your tissues where it's needed um, to help you then not actually feel quite so uh, quite so out of breath. It's quite confusing for someone who isn't a scientist. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're a science teacher, you know, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. So if you just think that. It's all, it's all easy for you, mate. Um, but no, it's, it, you know, it is a bit confusing, but let's, let's go practically now. Like how, how did you start and like, what's the basic method for, for starting this, right? Like holding your breath. I mean, what, how, how do you, how do you start apart from the nasal breathing, which I know that is, is tantamount to, yeah. you know, to so how, how do you how yeah. do you instruct beginners for this? Um, yeah, no, great question. And ju- just to say, like, on in terms of those practical things, the, the other little mm. bit I was just going to say of like when our respiratory, if our respiratory rate has come down, because I'm able to breathe a little bit calmer and a little bit slower, because yeah. I can mm. deal with more carbon dioxide, mm. I'm wasting less energy on actually the process of breathing, so I'm not doing it as much. Okay. And then you start mm. to also see how does my heart rate relate into this. So when if you're breathing less your heart rate will be less. So then I'm starting to become more, if my body is literally becoming more efficient at the things that I'm doing. And if that's yoga, you're going to be more efficient in the actual practice that you're doing. Your breathing will be under control more. You'll be able to, um, you'll be able to manage either a higher intensity uh, of what you're doing in your session, or you're going to feel an awful lot more relaxed in that session. The nervous system is going to be a bit calmer, What's that going to do for the range of motion that your body's going to be able to go into? It's going to give you potential to access 
greater range of motion or deeper positions in some of your, in some of your postures. And that's another thing that the carbon dioxide does. Elevated levels of carbon dioxide, it helps the muscles to relax and can help us to get right. into when we're going mm-hmm. into stretches. So that's why doing some of the breath holding techniques in, I'm not a yoga, I'm not a yoga uh, <laughs> instructor. I've done some yoga in the past and found it so difficult. I was like, I definitely wasn't thinking about my breathing. I don't know. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was like, yeah, I'm probably I'd probably do a little bit better now if I went to yeah, I think you would. previously. Yeah. But um yeah, no. But there are, you know, some good friends of mine are also, you know, ultra vantage coaches and yoga teachers. Um, mm. and they will utilize some of the breath holding as part of well, getting yeah, the carbon dioxide relaxes the muscles. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean as, an, as a kind of aside here, I'm kind of thinking, do you think like I'm thinking like this is silly, someone like Usain Bolt or you know, like someone at the top of their game, like Ronaldo or something. Yeah. Do you think they're naturally using this this breathing technique, or do you, or can you be a great athlete without having, without doing this at all? Um, yeah, we just through pan, you know, panting breathing, you know. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hit a limit and hit a ceiling of like what you can do if you're if the you know if you, if we think that uh, the make it as simple as possible. You know, you said it can be confusing. Let make it as simple as possible. Every cell <laughs> is a point there, but every cell in our body needs oxygen everyone would agree with that it needs oxygen to create energy. Mm-hmm. every cell in the body creates carbon dioxide as well as part of that process so how you get oxygen in and how you deal with that carbon dioxide that gets created that's got to be important and is going to affect the threshold of the of what you can work at so if you aren't Max, if you're maximizing your diet your sleep you're, you're maximizing your training mm. all these different aspects but you're leaving how you breathe um, to one side, then by maximizing the way you're getting that oxygen in and dealing with the carbon dioxide that's created, we'll definitely yeah. see mm. improvements in your like sporting performances for sure. Do you look at sport like sporting people now and, and check and see? I say that oh, breathing, ter- <laughs> yeah, you, breathing terribly. You know, I, if they just sorted out their breathing and stopped panting, it's one, of, it's one of those things. Like when you're blissfully your unaware. Oh, look at that! Look at yeah. that! God. When you're blissfully, it's not just when I just walk. When you see anyone, oh right, you sit down, down the street. Look at how yeah. you how someone's breathing. You can um, extend you that just McDonald's. Well, but it's when you've when you've when you start like you know working with clients and, and teaching people you're it, during that during those sessions you're like purposely like your job is to like help them with their breathing so you've got to look and analyze their breathing and do it in a way mm. that they don't feel like you're looking at how they're breathing you want to try and make it feel normal mm. but then that teaches your eye to pick up cues around how people are breathing and then you know you can't switch that off you're walking down the street and someone runs past me like panting like a dog and you're like oh man i need to talk to you but <laughs> Just take them aside. <laughs> see how see how they react. I've tried just shouting at people, shut your mouth. No, you haven't. Like that, apparently. I don't know why. Have you really? No. Fantastic. No. That'd be good <laughs> for you. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So, how do you begin? Like, you know, what's yeah, the, the practical like, tips? Yeah. 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 yeah so, um, the one of the things that we said to to start with that we said you've already mentioned around like can I breathe in the nose? And one of the things that when I'm working with like in the sort of like sports performance field is I will address the fact that before we start doing any of the sexy stuff, before we start talking about how do you recover your breathing when you're really struggling now because you're maxing out, all these things, it's like we need to address your base level, your foundation, your day-to-day breathing habits. If you breathe poorly at rest, when you start mm. doing yoga, it's only going to get worse. So sure. for, for one mm. exa- one nice one, really simple one for people to, to, to test for themselves would be to just 
set one minute on your stopwatch and then just sit down nice and relaxed and just count and observe. Don't change your breathing, but just count how many breaths in and out is one. How many breaths do you do within that minute? And also it seems a lot to do with just kind of just changing habits or remembering, yeah. right? Or setting a different precedent because how much of the time in the day do you actually focus on your breathing? Even if you do a lot of yoga or a lot of training outside, you know, yeah. like when you sit down to watch the TV, you can still breathe terribly outside your particular focus time. Yeah, exactly. And so what you're trying to do is um, you're trying to, there'll be initially, there'll be this phase where you're like relearning a new habit and you'll have to consciously think about it. But then gradually as that starts to get embedded in, what you want to get to the point of like, you breathe nice and calmly in and out through the nose. It's relatively slow and it's calm. Um, at rest, you know, there's there doesn't need to be an awful lot of like movement. It should be relatively quiet, if not silent, if you, you know, literally sat mm. down and rest. And um, that starts to become just then the new norm for you. You've got to think that um, this, uh, my belief is that the, the body um, wants to breathe well. It has, you know, this nose that's designed for breathing. The diaphragm is our <laughs> number one respiratory. It wants to breathe really nicely and it wants to breathe really well. We just have to create the environment, the conditions for it to do so. And when you start to set that up, it will, you know, it will happily do what it's designed to do. And um, so it's the initial phases. Yeah, you've got to consciously think about it. And you constantly, do you still kind of consciously check in during the day? How am I breathing, you know, or has um, it just become yeah. like a, a natural thing? Well, you're, tr you're trying to get to the point where it's just, it starts to become just normal and natural for that to happen. But anytime, you know, <laughs> because we're talking about breathing now, I'm thinking about mine a little bit. I, you just can't, <laughs> not people, people that are listening to are the podcast you? now, you're never, you, you will now, like I guarantee you over the no, next few seconds, because we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about thinking about your breathing. You can't not think about it. Like it just, it just happens. Um, interestingly, one of the things about talking when you're talking, are you inhaling or are you exhaling? Yes. Mm -hmm. What no. are you doing when you're talking? In inhaling or exhaling? This is a little test for you. Um, okay, I think I am. Um, Try and talk on an inhale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would yeah. be strange. You can't talk on an inhale. So when you're talking, I mean, I mean, we, actually, I'll tell you what. We're in France right now, so so that's why I know we. You know, the exhale is the um, you know, the uh, the talking because it's so nasal. The, uh, ah, right. Yeah, the, the sounds, right? The, yeah, the accent. Yeah. You can tell. You can tell. A lot of it is actually it's a different use of the nose in the language, literally. Right? It's interesting. Yeah. Bonjour. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're ex right, so you're exhaling. So yes, when, you're, exhale, yeah, when yeah. you're talking a lot, that means you're exhaling a lot. And then you're in the potentially setting yourself up, particularly if you know, if you get a bit excited about talking about something like I do, then you start talking mm -hmm. faster. That means then you're just breathing faster and then you mean, sudden, talk less. Well, Is that through, the idea? but effectively <laughs> through through um through talking fast, mm. you're mm. breathing fast, and then that's mm. getting you in a cycle of overbreathing, which again is then getting rid of too much of that carbon dioxide. So it's a, a little bit of an awareness of that can can just help us for those that you know there'll be plenty of people listening that have to talk a lot for their jobs. Mm. It's a case of mm. like not saying don't talk, but try and be aware how fast you're breathing. Can we put a few little pauses in? Can we slow things down? Yeah, um, and you mentioned that actually before that the body is designed to breathe properly through the nose i mean what what would stop us or change our breathing and start us breathing through the mouth oh, and i think you've answered this already that a lot of it is what well, one it's just simply bad habits sometimes um maybe levels of fitness but also for people that are interested especially in this podcast is it's emotional resonance right yeah. 
Yeah, um, if, we're, if we're stressed, we're more likely the to... The fight-or-flight response yeah, exactly. um, tends to make one immediately kind of um, start breathing through the mouth, right? Defer, yeah. default to the mouth. I mean, have you, did you notice when you changed your breathing habits that you, you had a, a change in kind of emotional uh, sense of self as well? Did it, yeah, did it change I, you at a deeper level? Yeah, far more, um, far more mindful, far more present, far mm. more able to like. So, do I still get relaxed and anxious about things? Yes, mm. when you know, various different things happen. But yeah, course, do I yeah. feel like I have a tool in my breathing, in which allows me to when I'm feeling when I'm you know when you feel stressed or anxious, like physically, you feel changes within your body. And your breathing changes as one of those things, and it starts to become faster. Your heartbeat mm, starts to, and you notice increase. this now. Yeah, and how if my heartbeat is increasing and my and my breathing is increasing, and I'm starting to get a little bit more agitated, and my nervous system is obviously there, getting like a little bit ramped up. What's the one thing I can take control of and slow down? I could, it's my breathing, so I can focus on slowing down my breathing. I might even do some little pauses in there that's one really nice one like just literally for two three four five seconds little pauses every every two breaths so if you know if you literally this is one of the things we like would teach if someone um, is really struggling with like panic attacks because mm, mm. when we get into that over breathing cycle <laughs> yeah, it's just getting yeah. rid of all that carbon dioxide and we have to just like mm, put a bit mm. of a like a break like i think of it as like a bit of a circuit breaker in there just like yeah quote you know, mm. boris himself but you know, a bit of a circuit breaker, <laughs> boom right, here's a stop then two normal breaths then a couple of seconds holding the breath, then two normal breaths, then maybe three seconds holding the breath, two normal breaths. It gives us something to focus on and think about. But what it does is it slows down our respiratory rate. When we slow down our breathing, we start to influence the nervous system. When we influence the nervous system, the heart rate starts to come down. You can start to actually bring yourself back to um, a little bit more of a, 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 a calming state rather than being yeah like a baseline of, yeah yeah, yeah. And knowing yeah. that you've got a tool to help you rather than feeling like so do you use, do you use the breathing outside training now do you i mean oh just yeah 100%. Again, do you right yeah yeah right yeah. and what and what kind of breath training do you do i suppose we should still back up and, and ask outside the nasal breathing what how do you yes we still get, still get through this? to those practical yeah we haven't really got got yeah. into the nuts and bolts of you know like are you slowing are you, are you holding you're doing breath retention work yeah. so um right. the the very simplest you've got like two two elements to it if you've taken aside from like breathing in and out through the nose like that's mm. just the sort of the given aside from that we've got slowing down the breathing and lightening the breath quietening the breath so like nice. in a in a calming and relaxing manner then the other side of it is we've got breath holding so retention's holding the breath uh we like and that's to do your training or so when you're kind of training to try and slow down the breath or just generally um it both right right so you can have so having times of practicing slowing down your breath when you're um say before you go into bed is going to mm -hmm. help your body down regulate and calm down and relax so you're in a state of parasympathetic recovery mode to help you have a better more restorative night's sleep but also mm. it's going to be easy whilst you're lying in bed it's going to be easier for you to slow down your breathing because the metabolic demand of lying there is much less than when you're running or doing yoga so practicing breathing on its own so that you can then use that when you are doing your given exercise of say yoga and you go and do an exercise that you know comfortably and start to integrate in some slower breathing quieter calmer breathing patterns into that then you're starting to merge those two things together the breath holding 
is uh, is something that allows you to practice getting mentally used to that feeling of air hunger and remembering mm-hmm. now okay when i feel that desire to breathe in or breathe faster or breathe more it's not because oxygen's low it's because co2 levels are rising and i know it's got to retrain the brain to respond yeah, to that kind of feeling of panic right exactly so there's an emotional yeah. side of it mm, plus there's mm. actually like the the biochemistry side of it you are spending some time holding the breath where you're keeping the carbon dioxide in the body so the body gets better at dealing with that and you then change your sensitivity um, to that carbon dioxide buildup, which is then better for the, your efficiency of breathing overall. So it's not; it doesn't have to be super complicated. You've got slowing the breathing down. We've got doing some breath holds. The breath holding work is uh, just some protocols on that. Of um, if you're pregnant or mm-hmm. have any serious underlying health conditions, we shouldn't be doing strong breath holds, but it's completely mm-hmm. safe and normal to do for for everyone that's fit, well, and healthy. Um, we do them with the oxygen advantage specifically after a normal exhale because yeah. we're trying to get the body used to oxygen being low and CO2 being high, this hypoxic, hypercapnic effect. And how, I mean, what kind of start, you know, what kind of times are we looking at to start just getting used to this? So um, we would we would start, if you're doing them, like initially you might start doing them um, stationary, but we want to get people to actually used to like uh, moving about and doing it. So we would start with something like after stationary, the easiest thing is then just walking before you try and do it running or in any yoga flow. Mm, Holding the breath, um, so normal breath in, normal breath out, pinch the nose, start walking and count and count how many paces you take. And to start well, with you're not doing you're not doing sedentary. I mean, it's kind of funny for, for yoga people who do the, you know, yeah. the kind of breathing stuff we call pranayamas, completely yeah. sedentary, right? And you're actually moving around doing the holds. Well, if you think that you'll if to do it sedentary, the metabolic yeah. demand, so the the amount of oxygen your body requires, the amount of CO2 yeah. that's building up is less. Your breath hold time is going to be reduced when you're moving about or doing exercise, but the intensity of the breath hold in terms of improving your ability to deal with those changing blood gases is going to happen quicker. So it can be a little bit more efficient, but also if you are, the more specific you can do the, when you get comfortable at doing it. So you need to get used to this like really weird feeling of like holding the breath. The brain's going to notice CO2 levels have risen. It's going to send a message to the diaphragm. The diaphragm's going to contract and you're going to feel like you're suffocating. <laughs> it's not going mm. to feel nice to start with. Most people don't find it a comfortable thing to do initially. You have to, you need to mentally learn to relax into that. And when you can start to get um, more confident and comfortable, um, you know, it might, for a lot of people, getting to 20 paces to start with walking, people could try this. Getting to 20 can be difficult to start with. I thought I was going to die. It reminded me of actually um, sort of swallowing water as a kid in a swimming pool and feeling like you're going <laughs> to drown. It's what it literally, it literally brought back those types of feelings. It was like, wow, this is this is interesting. Um, but we try to get we try to get people above sixty steps, and for like professional athletes, we're looking at getting them like around hundred. And it's like that just seems absolutely crazy when you can't do like 20 steps at the start. I remember thinking- How many minutes would that be, do you think? Uh, um, So 60 60 paces tends to be around about 30 30 seconds. Depending on okay, how fast that's you doable. And then how yeah, I mean yeah. and have you built that yourself? Like how yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. where did you where did you start and where are you at now? Just so, out of curiosity. I say I uh, started yeah. at like couldn't get to twenty um paces. Twenty breaths or right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tw- twenty paces, which would twenty be paces, sorry, you were at It's all. probably <laughs> like it's probably not even ten seconds. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And then um 
I would do, I do a variety of different, like integrate it into lots of different things. Now, if I was doing just straight walking, I could do a um, hundred or so and do them like walking or fast walking, turn it into a jog or even just like sprinting. Um, I think so you're holding your breath and sprinting now. Yeah. Or doing squats or a glass of a punishment, aren't you? Whatever. No, it's uh, <laughs> if you go masochist. <laughs> the, the thing is, if, if you think, just think of it like this, the purpose of doing it is to improve yeah. my body's tolerance to carbon dioxide and get used to oxygen levels coming down. When one of the responses the body has for oxygen levels reducing, so you know, I said like your blood oxygen saturation when you're doing a really hard exercise, yeah. will barely drop below 95%, it'll barely drop below normal. When we hold the breath and do it, our blood oxygen will drop down into the 80s comfortably, which is um, similar to being about four or 5,000 meters of altitude. So it's used yeah. as a technique to, to uh, simulate altitude training. And, you know, there's some, there's some responses that the body does um, in the short well, term. Actually, can I just ask you? To improve. I think, yeah. I think um, Patrick talks in his book a lot about altitude training, right? He's done it with kind of like Ethiopian marathon runners, right? Yeah. I think that was... As I remember, what um, what is what is the benefit again of being at altitude for the oxygen and you know and for the health? Like, why does it produce such such um, some strength and, and health? So it's to do with the like the oxygen carrying capacity of the blood. So um, the as I was like saying there, but if you are if you're at altitude where there's less oxygen, or you hold your breath and the body experiences less oxygen, um. You can, one of the things that the body does in response or an adaptation to that is in the, in the immediate term, it will, uh, the spleen, which acts as like a blood bank, holds about 8% mm -hmm. additional red blood cells for us. The spleen contracts, and I like to think of it as a, it basically contracts to like give you some more red blood cells because it's noticed, right, crikey, oxygen's dropped down to say 85% blood oxygen saturation. Here's some more red blood cells, Jacko, to like help deal with this problem that's that's happened. It doesn't know that you're holding your breath. It just knows that oxygen's low. Um, so that happens immediately and can last for up to about an hour, depending on the research you look at. And is the strongest contraction of the spleen happens after five um, strong breath holes lasting thirty seconds or more. Um, hmm. That seems to be mm. the tipping point. Mm. And in the long-term effects are because then after you know after about an, after an hour or so the spleen will reabsorb those red blood cells and bring you back to normal. But there is a longer-term effect that happens where um, your kidneys are stimulated to produce naturally more EPO, which then uh, there's about a delay of about three to four days where then then in response to that increase in natural EPO levels, your bone marrow produce more red blood cells. So you then see hmm. an increase oh, wow. over time of your red blood cell count. Just a few percent, but it makes right. a big difference. For mm -hmm. but if you've got more red blood cells, that's more oxygen carrying capacity of the blood. That's more efficiency of getting yeah. oxygen into yeah. your tissues. Like you feel better. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things that for me, knowing that now, it's like it's a no-brainer. It's something I wish I knew when I played rugby, but uh, we live and we learn. Before you go, and I need, we need to talk about the diaphragm a little bit. Um, how do you, how, I mean, you mentioned, first of all, just because you're breathing through the nose doesn't mean you're, you know, using a diaphragm at all. And, and for a lot of people, it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, you one draws a blank a little bit. Am I breathing with the diaphragm or am I not using the diaphragm? Yeah. How, how, you know, how, how do you know? Yes. And how, or how did you train yourself to start contacting the diaphragm with your breath? Because right. this, this, this is the yeah. this fundamental was... issue of breathing. You know, when I said to you, I was like, asked myself the question, am I breathing right? I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, start, How do I answer right? that? And yeah, then it was yeah. like, How do you answer it? Yeah, breathing. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. use your diaphragm. And I was like, 
Fair enough. How do you do that? What, what's that? Yeah, yeah. What does that feel like? like? Yeah, yeah. You put your hands. If I, if you sort of like put your hands on your stomach and then you sort of like tense your abs and you're like, no, I'm just tensing my abs. I think like what? Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. And that's obviously going to freeze the diaphragm. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Um, it's going to keep your ribs in, which then stops you. If ribs need to move out to create space, the diaphragm to move down. So like the rib cage articulation, your diaphragm movement. Uh, so uh, often people say, well, if you're breathing, my, if breathing your stomach, and then you'd use the diaphragm. What do you say to that? Um, well, there's some people that really don't like the term, uh, like belly breathing or stomach because you're still, yeah, I don't like it. That's why I said, well, your, your lungs, <laughs> you, you know, your, your, your lungs, the, the tissue in the lungs stomach are in the ribs. Like they're yeah. housed by Ruka, just not in the yeah, stomach. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. But it's the, the concept, uh, the goodwill of it is basically trying to go like, let's not upper chest breathe. Let's breathe from lower down there. And, and people might, you say belly or stomach. Yeah, and also if you keep it some kind of form of relaxation in that area rather than clenching your abs, yes. you know. Because the abs will keep, and your obliques and your abdominals yeah. will keep the ribs down and in, and that's stopping them from actually expanding laterally and allowing space to the diaphragm. So one thing, people, we could do this right now. People can listen along to this one. You're going to feel the diaphragm um, contract. Is We do what we call a blocked inhalation. So we would do a normal breath in through the nose, a normal breath out through the nose, pinch the nose, and yeah. then whilst you basically create a vacuum because you know you're not allowing air to come in or out if you try to breathe in and focus on that area around i like to put my hands where my two lower ribs are put your hands there so that's where you focus on breathing too try and breathe in whilst you're holding your breath after an exhale and you'll feel that diaphragm like pulling down if you try and breathe in really strongly you're going to feel a really strong contraction i'll do one mm -hmm. now with you like normal breath in normal breath out Pinch the nose, your hands are by your lower ribs, try and breathe in, and you'll feel the one. Mm. You should feel, oh, something, it's like it's around that abdominal area, but it's like mm, deep mm, inside, mm. and it feels a bit weird. It's like that's our, that's that's your diaphragm trying to pull down, but you're stopping air from moving. And, and so where are you breathing? breathing? In this scenario, where are you breathing from? Because, I mean, in, in yoga terms, we have this idea of banda, right? And banda or banda means um, a seal or, or lock in your lower abdomen. And you're using that to kind of pull the diaphragm down, but using using a not the abs, but losing the muscles deeper than the abs to kind of pull the breath through the through the body. Yeah, so that's what you're you're trying. To, we're trying to think about um, the ribs moving outwardly, like laterally, and the diaphragm moving down and flattening out. So it's a it's going to try to you know ideally we want it moving downwards but we want it to be flat we want it to be moving out in in uh, in all directions in th in in three dimensions you know your your midsection and your rib cage it's, it's a cylinder it, it wants to be able to expand there's, there's some forward, kind of control back everywhere there's some kind of control from the stomach as well right are you doing anything with the stomach like um, so it just in that particular like, mm, that mm. particular drill. Is purely mm. about getting you to feel a contraction of what does your diaphragm feel like to contract. So, you know, if I asked you to tense your bicep, because you know you've got a, you know, you've fired many neurons from your brain to that bicep, mm -hmm. you know, and you know what it feels like to do that, you can you can really contract that muscle and feel it quite strongly. A lot of people don't have that like body awareness as well as those neural like connections. Um as 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 well formed to the diaphragm to be able to actually contract it to the point of going like okay that is yeah that's mm. it you can actually really feel it so it's a way of like sending messages to the diaphragm to feel those feel those contractions it's one of the thing reasons why some of the breath holding work when you do stronger ones 
your diaphragm starts to contract because it gets messages from the brain automatically. And so it's a way of like training you to be able to contract that diaphragm better Then the, the practicing of the mechanics of whether you like, we do some work where we put our hands on our sides or hands on our back or even resistance bands around us or a, a breathing belt so that you're able to start to think about expanding that lower portion of mm. the rib cage. So, 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 you, you, so you're saying you're, you're, you're breathing, you're targeting a kind of, a medial breathing across the chest, right? Like where do you put the breath? Where are you aiming the breath as it comes down the back of the trachea? So well this again as your so as your depending on if we're practicing just a breathing at rest, like I'm not needing to take a huge large amount of air in. I want to feel like a nice subtle movement mm-hmm. of that of those ribs and of that diaphragm. But I might practice at rest some larger breaths where I'm looking at filling from the bottom and then starting to fill up gradually as we go through. So it's a lateral expansion of those lower ribs, but it starts to fill up vertically as well. So I practice being able to expand and mobilize those ribs because the more I can expand and mobilize that rib cage, the more opportunity I've got for the lungs to expand and get more air in. I'm going to need that when I'm like doing exercises yoga running whatever it is that i'm doing Mm. so it's it's it depends what we're trying to achieve from from the practice like am i am i looking to work with someone to be able to ensure that they can actually first of all feel their diaphragm or not or is Mm. it that their ribs are moving what do they what do we actually need um to feel in order this because it's you know some people will struggle to expand into the back some people might be expanding more so on the right hand side because the oh, um it's right the mm-hmm. diaphragm on the right hand side is bigger mm-hmm. than the diaphragm on the left we're not symmetrical right. internally we're not symmetrical it's interesting um, yeah externally yeah. we look symmetrical so we think it's symmetrical so it's um yeah you, you, you there's depending on how someone's currently breathing depends on what part they might need to focus on there's not necessarily like one cue that's gonna yeah yeah i understand the right Mm -hmm. thing for everyone yeah yeah that's yeah yeah but feeling the diaphragm contract by doing the blocked inhalation works for everyone because you're just feeling it contract all right well we've done about an hour i suppose i want to ask you finally on that note where are you you know where where are you focusing with the breathing now is it just simply is it for training because you, you know that's how you started it right to kind of get your training to get the handbrake off or is yeah. it going somewhere else now you know in terms of you, you mentioned you know obviously with yoga podcast becoming more mindful and this kind of yeah. thing is is that it what what are your aims for it um, is, you, yeah yeah so kind of, for sorry. um for like for my own self it's like mm. a, a continued sort of uh exploration of like what can what can I do with with my breath? And at the moment, um, mm. that looks like I ran my first marathon this year, nasal breathing. Oh, sorry, not the now in 2022, right, last year. Um, I'm doing an ultra three-day event um, running the coastal path in Anglesey. Uh, it's 135 miles in three days. That's in September. And my focus oh my for all of my breathing is <laughs> I, I, I've got two rules for my runs. You, um, it, it's, it's all about the uh, airflow in the nose being as as efficient with that as possible so being as you know not ever not letting that get too too hard or too strong or too fast and finishing my run like i feel like i could do it all over again so i run like 15k the other day and it's like how well how well did that run go i'm not looking at the pace i did i'm not looking at how long Mm. i did it it's like how did i feel when i was doing it 
how did your mm. breathing feel? Airflow felt good, so efficiency was good. Um, heart rate was then low. How do I feel? Do I, could I go and do that again now? Yeah, I feel like I could do it again now because I haven't, I haven't like flogged myself to get to that point. Mm. I'm trying mm. to, what I'm trying to do is, um, I like the idea of running for longer rather than just faster. Um, and I like being outside. I like exploring nature. Um, I love mm. Anglesey. The, to run the coastal path there in three days is going to be hopefully um, a magical experience if it's not too miserable because if I'm able to manage my breathing, I know my heart rate and my nervous system will stay intact and hopefully, therefore, it won't be then um, a miserable thing. In terms of like teaching and coaching, um, as I said at the beginning, like I want to try and help make breath work normal, just like this thing that's just people are aware of their breathing mm, and it's mm. just a, it's not a difficult thing to do. It's not this extra thing we need to do. It's just making it part of our just breathing a little bit better as part of our day-to-day um day-to-day lives um i do some specific work in uh, in sports performance with like particularly with my background previously in rugby so working with some professional um, and international rugby players and teams and then i also the other side of away from sport i, I work closely with um a friend of mine that's a private gp that refers on clients that she's identified um that have poor breathing and and thinks that that might be um one of the tools that we can help them improve their stress uh, those that are struggling with sort of like chronic stress and anxiety so working um with those as well i suppose finally finally i just want to pick your brains about anything that might implicate breathing in terms of diet and food i mean usually and again in yoga they'll say oh you know dairy is mucus forming you should uh, you know eschew you should stay away from dairy what on eggs maybe what are are your thoughts on is there any food more or less better worse um i'm not an expert in this um i've just eaten an egg before we um (laughs) before we came on suffocating (laughs) if it is um if if it is um if it is detrimental then i would Maybe I would then be even better at breathing. But um, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not an expert on this area, and I'm not, I'm not making a joke about it. To be honest, it, it it will definitely impact it. Exactly what those things are, I don't. I don't personally don't know. know sure yet. Other mm-hmm. than we do, like do know for sure that like you know, but the same as anything like poor, uh, poorly, highly processed food, high in sugar, yes, those of types course, of yeah, things. Yeah. Like they will. Because it's so detrimental to to all aspects of our of our health, like they will impact your um, breathing. I've experienced that myself. Like you, if you eat a load of crap, like you see what t- take your take your respiratory rate. You know that that the how many breaths you're taking in a minute. Then have your crap crap processed food, and then take your respiratory rate again, and you'll, hmm. you'll see how much it dramatically changes. Um, so yeah, it's an area um, is an area of interest. To be honest, to be fair, it's just not one that I've um, expanded. Um, any further into yet i'm a bit worried it's one of those things that like i i like milk uh, but you know we i get like organic grass-fed from a farm near us it's like go as with one thing i do you know do believe in is like go as close to source and as as natural and as higher quality as you can afford yeah yeah um yeah. part of me will struggle that if i read a recent paper that says i should i'll be like ah, <laughs> i don't want to drink all right well um it's been wonderful to talk to you um, cool, man. Yeah, no, I loved for, it. yeah thanks for coming on the podcast really really my, good thank you my pleasure